I'm breathing in and I know I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out and I know I'm breathing out. Breathing in, breathe out. Breathing in, I know I have a body. I'm aware of my body. Breathe out, I smile to my body. Aware of body, smiling to body.
Within in, I see life in me and around me. Breathe out and I smile to life in me and around me. Recognizing life and smiling to life. Breathing in, I'm aware of the tension in my body. Breathe out, I let go of all the tension in my body. Aware of tension, let go of tension. Breathing in, I feel joyful as I breathe in. Breathing out, I feel joyful while I'm breathing out. Joy while breathing in, joy while breathing out.
I'm Evin. I see this body is not my, but of all my ancestors and all my descendants. Breathing out, I smile to my ancestors, my parents, and my descendants in my body. This body is collective, smiling to ancestors and descendants in body. Dear Sangha, today is the 9th February 2014. We are in the Assembly of Stars Meditation Hall, Lower Hamlet, Plum Village. In the Winter Retreat 2013-2014, today is the last day of the Winter Retreat, the last Dharma talk of the Winter Retreat. Every morning in the Upper Hamlet, Brother Pub E goes to sit in meditation very early. He's one of the older sister, I mean oldest brother that's present. Um, he's one of the oldest brother that's present early for sitting meditation. And Brother Pub E had been sick for many years, and but his practice. He's very diligent, and he knows how to treasure his uh, his days that are left for him to live. Every um, every day at lunch in the Jitanian uh, Hall, the Fung sit on the right side of um, Thai, and the E sits on the left side of Thai. And usually, Thai would offer food for Thai Phap Ung and Thai Phap E. And the last day, on the, which is the 6th of February, Thai Phap E came out to get food. And then, and at 11 o'clock, he had complications. And he passed away very quickly. And we're happy for him. In the past, when he was young, he was a member of the Italian Communist Party, fighting. And, and um, does not believe in uh, a soul. 
and he went to India and received uh, a novice precepts in the Tibetan tradition. And he came to Plum Village as a novice um, from the Tibetan tradition. And he um, changed his robe to a brown robe of the Plum Village monastics, received uh, full ordination, and then lamb transmission at Dharma teacher. And every time he goes to uh, Italy to lead retreat with the Sangha, he's very happy. He usually uh, takes uh, the Sangha for an audience as as an elder sister, elder brother. And one day, he took uh, Kong out. And one day he was uh, unhappy and angry with Shigo Chunkung. And he wrote, or oh, Thai heard about it, and then Thai wrote him a letter. It was only a sentence, and uh, Thai asked the attendant to bring it to Thai Fab E, and in it it says, Thai Fab E, dear Thai Fab E, do you know who loves you most in Plum Village? That person is Sister Chung Kong. <laughs> and then he 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 um he let go of his quick anger really quickly. And yesterday in the ceremony, the day before in the ceremony uh, of purifying and um we say that this body is not me. I am not caught in this body. I'm not limited by this body. I'm life without limits. This body is not me, and I'm not limited by this body. I am life without boundaries. And, and that I continue uh, as a river with my Sangha. And it is very true. And so in our daily life, we see the presence of Taifab E as an older sister. He has an older brother. He has been practicing in Plum Village for 20 years. Seventy-five years old when he passed away. Venerable Jung Pháp Yi. Last Thursday, we learned um, practices to generate joy, happiness, and peace. Ang is peace. They say we're very poor. We're wealthy people, but we act as if we're very poor. Peace. And this is not dark enough. And peace of all, first of all, peace is in the body. 
And when we practice breathing in, and I'm aware of my body, we come back to our body. This is the third uh, exercises of uh, in the sutra of um, mindful breathing. Breathing in, I'm aware of my whole body. And with an in-breath, we come back with our, to our body. And we recognize that we have a body. And while we work on a computer for three hours, um, we're getting sucked away by the computer. And we forgot that we have a body. And so this practice is to bring the mind back to the body. And the monks and nuns, when they use the computer, they install a bell of mindfulness that um, chimes every 15 minutes. And when they hear this bell, they stop and they breathe. And then they bring their mind back to their body. They practice breathing in. I know I have a body. And at that moment, the body has a mind. And our mind has the body. The embodied mind. And when the body and mind are together, then we we truly have life. When the mind is not with the body, then there is no life. This is a state of dispersion. And the third exercise, breathing in, I am aware of my body. And when we breathe in and out three times like that, we have the opportunity to let go the tension in the body. That's the fourth exercise. Breathing in, I'm aware of my body. And the fourth exercise is I let go of the tension in my body. And so if you want, you can install the bell of mindfulness in your computer so that in every 15 minutes it, uh, it's, it sounds so that you can breathe in and out and aware of the body and let go of the tension in your body. And these practices are easy. And easy to understand and easy to practice. Breathing in, I know I have a body. Breathing out, I smile to my body. That's the third exercise. Third exercise, aware of body.
smile to body. This is the third exercise. The first exercise, breathing in, I know I'm breathing. Breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. This exercise is to recognize the in-breath and the out-breath. Um, peer recognition, in-breath and out-breath, it's very easy. But the, f- the, the function is very great. When we can recognize our in-breath and out-breath, we let go of everything. We just live in the in-breath and out-breath, and we are a free person, free people. We hold on to our in-breath and our out-breath, and we let go of everything else. And so we can have a lot of freedom. Even though it's simple, but its effect is very profound. The second exercise, breathing in, I follow my in-breath from the beginning to the end. Following in-breath. Following out-breath. The in-breath can take place three seconds or five seconds. And during these three or five seconds, I'm complete, our mind is completely following the in-breath and there's no dis- disruption. There's no thoughts uh, interfering. And if we if follow the in-breath, during its whole length, then we then we end the thinking. No thinking. It's very very wonderful because in us there's always there's a radio station called Non-Stop Radio Station, NST. Non-Stop Thinking. Non-Stop Thinking Radio Station. It's the mental discourse that happens day and night. And we think until we become really hot, and these thinking are not very productive. They're not very beneficial. This radio is not very productive. And so when we concentrate on the, the breathing, following the in-breath and the out-breath, this radio stops. And if we breathe in, breathe like this for five minutes, and then this radio will stop for five minutes. Non-thinking. 
when we think, when we need to think, we think, and this thinking can be a fruitful, productive. But uh, endless thinking, uh, endless mental discourse is not very beneficial. And so these exercises bring us a lot of freedom, so that we can be present to live deeply each moment of our life. This, the third exercise, uh, aware of our body and smiling to our body. This is the practice of reconciliation between body and mind, because sometimes we um, we banish our body, but we don't know. We allow tension and pain to accumulate in our body. We we punish our body. We banish our body. Now we come back and aware of our body, and we smile. We smile a smile of reconciliation with our body. And then we we continue with the fourth exercise, aware of the tension. In our body, and let go of the tension. We only need to breathe in and out three or four times. Then we will have peace in our body. When we have peace in the body, then we can have peace in our feeling and our emotion. When we have peace, we have we will have the foundation to generate jo- uh, joy. He is joy and happiness. Love is happiness. Peace. We have peace first, and then joy and happiness. And the breathing. It calms down. It's peaceful. We breathe for a while, and our breathing becomes calmer, lighter, and it has the element of peace. And this this breathing brings peace to the body. And when the body is peaceful, then you. Then it will bring peace to our feelings and emotions. This is the art. It's called the art of generating happiness, which is mean peace, joy, and happiness. And I practitioner. Is is someone who knows how to practice? I know how to generate p- 
peace, joy and happiness in every breath and every step. From from the parking lot to a workplace, we can walk in a way so that each step generates peace, joy and happiness. And everyone can do this if you really want it. You really want to do it. And in the past, we're used to running. It becomes a habit energy. It's a the 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 push of habit energy is very strong that it pushes to run. And when we run like that, we don't have joy, happiness, and peace. And so we begin by resisting these habit energies. We give us a bit more time so that we can walk slowly. We walk in a way that each, every step brings joy and happiness. And this is uh, a challenge. And when we come here to Plum Village, uh, to this practice center, everyone wants to walk like that. And there are people who are able to walk like that for a long time already. And they can generate a collective energy of peace, joy, and happiness. And we lean, we rely on that energy to walk like that. We rely on the collective energy of joy, happiness, and peace so that we can have joy, happiness, and peace. And after a week or two, it becomes a habit, a new good habit energy. There are bad habit energies, but there are good habit energies, and we're learning to cultivate good habit energies. We generate joy, peace to nourish us. We generate joy and peace and happiness to nourish us. And when we have these three elements, then we can nourish the people we love. We don't nourish them with food or clothing. People cannot live with just bread. If we nourish, if we nourish them, with bread, even baguette, crunchy baguette is not enough. We have to nourish them with peace, joy, and happiness. How can we nourish them? We nourish because we love them. If we, how can we nourish them if we don't have them? These elements in us. So in our daily life, we have to generate these three elements so that we can nourish ourselves and nourish the other people. And this is something doable, generating joy, happiness, and peace. Don't say that you cannot do it. Stop in and change our way of living. The way of living our life in a Russian hurry way is not 
not a very good way to live. We're wasting our days and our life. We're just running. We're running after an illusion, il- illusory idea, image of happiness, and not know that we can generate happiness right here, right now. Happiness here and now is possible with this practice. And every breath, every step, can our our opportunity to generate peace, joy, and happiness. Firstly, we need to turn off the NST, non-stop thinking radio station. And these breathing exercises are the buttons that help us to turn it off. We turn off these radios with the breathing. And these breathing are, we don't need to struggle very hard. They can be very comfortable. Breathing in can be really comfortable. Breathing out can be also very comfortable. Making a gentle step can be comfortable. They're not hard work, hard labor. They're not hard labor. But something that is very comfortable, very agreeable. And so, this practice brings joy, pleasure. When we breathe in, we have to have pleasure. When we walk, we have to have pleasure. When we drink tea, we have to have pleasure. When we eat, we have to have pleasure. When we brush our teeth, we also have to have pleasure. And when we urinate, we also have pleasure. And we have to train ourselves to do to do them. When we shower, um, maybe for three or five minutes, we have to practice so that we can have joy and pleasure. Same thing with urinating and defecating. When we make our breakfast for our family, this is practice. And and this is uh, what we call in Buddhism generating happiness. And we know that to generate happiness and joy and peace we need we need to generate the energies of mindfulness concentration and insight and the four exercises of mindful the first four exercises of mindful breathing and they generate my mindfulness concentration and insight 
while we when we breathe in like that, we generate mindfulness, concentration, and insight. And there are twelve other exercises that we can find in the book. Um, the, um, the we can find in the Chanten book under the Sutra. Um, mindful breathing. And as a practitioner, we need to generate these three energy, mindfulness, concentration, and insight, because these three energies are the um, the substance for happiness, the elements for happiness. But happiness is also connected with one other thing, and that is suffering. Between uh, the happiness and suffering, there is a very intimate connection. Mm, just like when we grow flowers, we need compost. When we grow lotuses, we need the mud. Because without mud, we cannot grow lotuses. Without the soil and the compost, we cannot make grow flowers. And uh, usually, um, we run away from happiness. I mean, run away from suffering and look for happiness. But the truth is that happiness is made of elements including suffering. Just like flowers. <laughs> are made of compost. And so, uh, if we have suffered in the past, and we have suffering in our body, this is not something all negative. If we know how to practice, we can make use of the suffering to generate happiness. Just like a person, a people using soil and compost to make flowers. There is an intimate relationship between suffering and, uh, and happiness. They have an organic nature. The flowers, when it wilt, it becomes the compost. And same thing with happiness. Happiness is also impermanent. So happiness can become suffering if we don't know how to take care of it. For example, two people at the beginning, when they fall in love, they, it's like a their first, their, their love is beautiful like a flower. But if they don't know how to practice, then this flower, this love only lasts for three, three months, six months, or a year, and then it becomes something else. It can be, it become that something is can be the anger, frustration. Jealousy.
this is flowers becoming compost. Because flowers uh, are organic. They're organic. Same thing with happiness. Happiness is organic. It can become suffering. But when we look into suffering, we see that suffering is also organic. And that if we are a good practitioner, we know how to to change, uh, turn compost into flowers. Uh, as if we're a gardener, we know how to make use of the compost to grow flowers. So we should not be afraid of suffering. We we only we should be afraid of only one thing, that is not knowing how to manage our suffering. Because if we know how to manage our suffering, then we can we know how to generate happiness. So generating happiness is an art, but managing our suffering is also is also another another art. art of generating happiness, the art of generating suffering, um, managing suffering. If you know how to generate happiness, then you know how to manage your suffering. And there's one thing that we've learned in Plum Village is that we need to learn how to suffer. Because if you know how to suffer, then you suffer less. A person who does not know how to suffer, then that person can suffer immensely. And this suffering spreads out. But if we know how to suffer, then we suffer less. And so we need to learn how to suffer. Not only we know when we know how to suffer that we suffer less, but we can also you make use of suffering to generate happiness. Not only we suffer less, but using the suffering to generate happiness. Just like a, a, a someone who knows how to use uh, make use of the mud to grow lotuses. <coughs> And the four exercises, the next four exercises of breathing, we had already learned the first four exercises. Now with the fifth exercise is generating joy. The sixth exercise is generating happiness. Sounds like uh, it's difficult, but it's not difficult at all. Just with an in breath, with a breath, we can generate joy. With the step, we can generate happiness. That's the truth. Within, with the breathing, the breathing may be, may last three or five seconds, but if we know, we can generate joy and happiness. Just like when we walk, every step 
bring joy and happiness. This is the art. And we need to, we need the insight. Mindfulness is an energy that helps help us to come back to the present moment. And know what is happening in the present moment. This is called mindfulness. And when we begin to breathe in, uh, mindfully, consciously, then in those three or five seconds we generate mindfulness. We bring mind back to body. And when the mind and body are one, then we are present in the present moment. When we're, when, we're, when we're there in the present moment, we can recognize the conditions of happiness that we have. And there are many of these conditions. For example, we have two bright eyes to see, to see the sky, the clouds, the mountains, our loved ones. We have the ears, good ears to hear the birds singing, the voice of our beloved. We have two good legs to walk, to run. In summary, when we come back to the present moment, we recognize many conditions of happiness that we are having. We have, we have more than enough to help us to be joyful and happiness here and now, that we don't need to look for happiness. Uh, look for happiness and joy in the future or more conditions for joy and happiness because we have enough conditions uh, for joy and happiness in the present moment. If we have a piece of paper and we write down uh, the conditions of happiness that we have, then one page may not be enough, two pages may be enough, three pages may not be enough, four pages may not be enough. And we see that we're very lucky. We're lucky, more lucky than many people. And when we recognize these elements of happiness that we are having, then it's so easy to generate joy and happiness. It uh, takes seconds to do it. It takes seconds to recognize elements of joy and happiness. And mindfulness, concentration, and insight Mindfulness is coming back to the present moment, and we look deeply. We see that we are have we have many conditions of happiness, and so generating happiness is generating with these three energies: mindfulness, concentration, and insight. And as a practitioner, we generate every day these three energies, and in several weeks uh, of a practice, this energy, these three energy can be very powerful. And managing suffering, 
also needs these three energies. And from the seventh exercise is to manage. We're, we're learning to manage our suffering. So the seventh exercise is recognizing. Suffering. Suffering uh, on a surface it manifest in uh, manifest as an if as a painful feeling or an emotion. Maybe it the, the it has its roots in the body or in the in our perception, and usually a wrong perception generate uh, anger, jealousy, sadness, fear. And so there is suffering that has its, its roots in the body and some suffering that has its roots in our perception. And so when the suffering uh, surfaces, then a practitioner should, should be present to recognize. Breathing in, I know this is a a feeling of suffering, a painful feeling. And this painful feeling may be anger, sadness, um, jealousy, fear. We have to call it by its true name. Just like uh, Francois said, um, sadness, uh, hello, sadness, hello, my anger. This is recognition. And this, this is a suffering. It comes from deep down inside and the, 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 in the depths of our consciousness the store consciousness when a suffering uh, un- surfaces don't try to uh, suppress it push it down the majority of us m- suppress suppress it we don't feel comfortable when the suffering surfaces, so we want to cover it up. We cover it up by way of consumption. We turn on the music. We take out a newspaper to read. Or we call someone on the telephone or drive a car. 
or go to the refrigerator to get some food to eat. All these are ways to cover up our suffering because we do not have the capacity to face our suffering. We run away from our suffering. But as practitioner, we don't do this. We allow the suffering to surface and we have ways to to not let the suffering overwhelm us. And this way is to invite another energy from the depths of our consciousness to come up. And usually it's the energy of mindfulness because we have a seed of mindfulness concentration and an insight in our store consciousness. We have a seed of suffering in our store consciousness too. We have seed of suffering in our consciousness, but we also have the seed mindfulness concentration, happiness in it, in the store consciousness. And if we are a person who do not know the practice, then the energy, the the seed of mindfulness concentration and insight are very small. But after, if we've been practicing for for three or four weeks, then the 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 seeds grow. And so when we see the seed of suffering surfacing, uh, instead of suppressing it, we invite the seed of mindfulness to to come up. <coughs> we only need to breathe. Breathe mindfully or walk mindfully to generate the energy of mindfulness. And when the energy of mindfulness comes up, it says, hello, my pain. Hello, my dear pain. This is called recognition. Hello, my, my pain. I know you're there, and I will take care of you. You don't need to be afraid. And so in our mind consciousness, there are two energies. If we let the suffering uh, stand by itself, then we can be overwhelmed by it. So we have to invite another energy to come up, the energy of mindfulness. And this energy helps to recognize and take care of the suffering. Just like a, a younger brother is suffering, then uh, an older brother is there to embrace and support. And so... The work of mindfulness, first of all, is to recognize. And to embrace. Second is to embrace. Embrace the suffering, the pain. Just like a mother embracing a child in her in her arms, and the mother is mindfulness, and the crying baby is the suffering. We don't suppress it, but we recognize it and embrace it. And embracing. 
the suffering is a practice. When the suffering un- uh, surfaces, we have to be present. We recognize it and we embrace it. And the, the subject of embracing is mindfulness. And so the mother represents mindfulness, and the child, the crying child, is represents pain and suffering. And the mother has the energy of gentleness and love. And the mother, with this energy of the mother, goes into the body of the baby. When the baby is embraced by the mother, it suffers less immediately. Even when the mother have not known the causes of uh, her suffering, just the fact that the mother is embracing this, the baby, the baby already suffered less. And so we don't know where the suffering is coming from. Where um, its roots are. But just the fact that we are embracing it already helps to alleviate the suffering. And the mother, embracing the baby for a minute or two, three, she will find out why the the baby cried. She will, and that's insight. When there's mindfulness concentration, there's insight. And if maybe if the the baby the baby cry because uh, she's hungry, and if the mother finds out that she's crying, then I mean she's hungry, then then she gives uh, the baby food. If the baby is uh, sick, then the mother can give uh, uh, the baby medicine. So the suffering is the child, and the mother is the mindfulness. And the third is to to calm, to calm. To calm down the suffering, the pain, and this is managing suffering, uh, managing suffering, recognizing suffering, and the eighth exercise is calming the suffering. And so, the f- the f- this top two exercises is to generate joy and happiness, to nourish us. And the second two exercises are to help us recognize the suffering and calm the suffering. Very clear, we need to learn. When the suffering calms down, then we can we can survive. And with the next exercises we can we can do better. We can transform uh, suffering into happiness compost into flowers. We see clearly that we that we don't need to be a Buddhist to do this these practices. Anybody can do them. And these so these practices can 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 bring can be brought into schools in a 
elementary school children are already suffering. They don't know how to deal with their suffering. They don't know how to generate happiness. And so in schools, in um, um, uh, educational Um, in educa in education, a teacher should learn how to generate joy and know how to deal with their suffering. And this studies is not uh, is not religious. Their practices, their basic practices, that um, that is universal, and that if teachers know how to uh, practice, how to do them, then they can. Help their students uh, to do them, to practice them too. If parents know how to practice, then they can teach their children. But if parents don't know how to practice, then then the children, the students, have another chance that their teachers can teach them. And so, in Plum Village, in the past ten years, we have organized retreats for parents. And teachers, and this is what we transmit into them. And because teacher and parents, if they can do these practices, they can transmit these practices to their children, to the young people. Their young people of sixteen or twenty years old, they don't know how to deal with their suffering. They have. Enormous suffering, overwhelming suffering, and they don't know how to end the suffering. And they think that the only way to end the suffering is to end their life. And so there are so many young people who kill themselves because they don't know how to manage, how to deal with a strong emotion. Every day. There are many young people kill themselves in France too. A lot also in in England, in Hong Kong, in Japan. Young people jumped from high a uh, high building to kill themselves because they don't know how to manage, how to deal with their suffering. And so we need to bring these practices uh, into schools. And uh, Sakuzi uh, said that we need to teach morality in 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 ethics in classrooms, but people don't know how to how to how to teach them. But these are these practices are very important. These are ethics. These are morality. And so these practices, according to Thai. They should be taught in edu uh, in education, so that teachers, uh, future teachers, know how to practice them and and know uh, so they can teach their students. Because when students suffer, then it's easy to 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 if they suffer too much, students suffer too much. They cannot study, and so. Um, There have to be a, rela a connection, uh, collaboration between teachers and and parents 
to learn these practices so that they can help their, the young people. And we, we should also write textbook on these practices so that um, they can be used in schools. And in the summer in Plum Village, we have children, many children coming from more than 30 years, and they are learning, they're learning these practices. And they have the capacity to learn these practices. Last week we learned the three um, verses of uh, on manas, the fifth, sixth, and seventh. We learned the fifth, sixth, and seventh uh, verses already. We draw a lotus. Easy to draw a lotus, not very difficult. And on, on the bottom there are lotus uh, roots and mud. We have water. And we have air. And we have uh, lotus, lotuses. We know that in store consciousness, there's mental formation called vitality. We translated mangang as vitality, which is like a life force. It's javi. Shavi Shavitan Driya Shavita is like it's uh, it's life force, it's vitality. Andriya is organs. And in store consciousness, um, it collaborates, uh, store con- consciousness collaborates with men- many mental formations, and one of those is vitality, because store consciousness has the capacity to maintain life. It has vitality. And manas, We translated as um, Yigang Consciousness Organs Consciousness Organs Mind Organs It's one of the sense organs 
and India is organ. It is the base of life, the ground of life. It's the foundation of life. And Ikang, uh, it's um, Ikang. It's the organ, mind organ. It's the ground, the base for mind consciousness. And Ikang, the sense, uh, the sense organ, mind sense organ, is the ground that gives birth to mind consciousness. Just like. The ear is the ground for ear consciousness. Eyes are the ground of eye consciousness. And we know that thanks to the mud that we have the lotus. And without the mud, there's no lotus. And so manas is is the survival instinct. It's a survival mechanism. Uh, a me- mechanism for survival. It embraces the body and say, this is my body. But the truth is the body is not ours. The body belongs to our ancestors, our parents, and our descendants. And so, and so manas is, is obstructed. Is covered, and we know that manas has has many uh, characteristics that we have already learned. One of it is that it it seeks pleasure. It's it's uh, it seeks for pleasure, and it avoids suffering. And every one of us uh, have this has this uh, tendency. We have the tendency to seek pleasure and to run away from, f- to avoid uh, suf- suffering. And this is manas, which is the mud. Uh, it seeks for pleasure, but it does not know the dangers. A pleasure seeking. It does not know the dangers of seeking a pleasure seeking. Because while we are looking for pleasure, we can destroy our body and mind. Just like a fish, uh, it thinks that the bait is very good. It bites onto the bait, but there's a hook in it that that um, takes it out of the water. And so, the tendency of seeking um, seeking um, pleasure, manas, because it is obstructed, uh, it does not know the danger of pleasure seeking. So many young people destroy their body and mind because they don't they don't know um, they don't know moderation in their search for pleasure. And the fourth is not not knowing 
the benefits of suffering. They don't. It does not see the benefits of suffering. Of suffering, therefore, it avoids suffering. It runs away from suffering. We learn. We know that mud is used to grow lotuses, and suffering is used to generate happiness. But Manas does not know that because Manas is covered up, is covered, is obstructed. Because Manas is equivalent to to what Freud in psychoanalysis called uh, the id. It it seeks pleasure, and it avoids suffering. The it. And the fifth, fifth, manas does not see the law of moderation. Does not know the law of of moderation. It cannot. It does not know to stop. It does not know moderation. This is this is the nature of manas. There's mud in it. Mud. There's water, and water. This water. Represents. This water represents what Freud called the ego. The ego. It has. The ego sees the truth, sees reality, and it shed light on the it. It says, uh, "You cannot do this. If you do this, you violate the um, social." It, it it seeks for pleasure, but ego is more realistic. It says we cannot run away from suffering, and we cannot seek uh, pleasure. That we know we have to know moderation, so it it's able to shed light on the id. For example, there is someone who is really thirsty, who goes to a um, a. A bar and ask for for lemon. Ask for lemon, but for a long time the the waiter didn't bring the 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 lemon out. But right in front of him is a cup of a juicy lemon drink, and he wanted to drink that lemon, that cup of lemon, that glass of lemon, and so. 
the ant wanted to get that cup of, of drink, but the ego said, no, 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 don't do this, because if that person comes out and sees you drink this cup that does not belong to you, you will be in trouble. And so the ego inhibits the ant from taking, because the ego is more realistic and practical and knows when the situation is not poor. Not, um, not allowed. And sometimes uh, ego identify itself with the id, and sometimes it can it inhibits, and especially in relationship between woman and man. And so, in psycho, in the psychoanalysis of Freud. The ego, the ego sometimes uh, um, mix, uh, sometimes, um, sometimes um, identifies itself as the id, but sometimes it inhibits the id. And above la more in, in above the ego, there is the super ego. The super ego. The super ego finds every possible way to transform the mud in the id to become something um, beautiful, like a lotus. For example, it uses uh, art. It uh, uh, it creates music. Or architecture, or literature. In other words, using the energy of it to into something more beautiful, and that's called sublimation. Sublimation. That's the work of super ego. It knows that underneath there's the mud, and it knows how to make it makes use of the mud to make something beautiful. So instead. Instead of going with the, along with with the id to create suffering in uh, in the body and in the in the family, it knows how to make use of the mud in the id to generate uh, beautiful artwork uh, in in science or in um, in many disciplines. And so in Buddhism, it's also similar. There's the ego, there's the self, mind consciousness, mind consciousness. If it knows how to practice and generate mindfulness concentration and insight, then it can begin to transform the mud in the id into lotus. But in Buddhism, we go a bit. Uh, we go further. That above the super ego, there is something else, and it's called in Buddhism non-discriminative wisdom. And with non-discriminative wisdom, we don't see a separate self. 
and we don't serve a separate self, we see the suffering and happiness uh, of uh, of other people have a connection with uh, with us, and our suffering and happiness has uh, con- is connected with other people's suffering and happiness. This is when we love, when we love each other, and we reach the non-discriminative wisdom. Then we see that your suffering is my suffering. My happiness is your happiness. Then, then there is no individual suffering, no individual happiness. Then there is no. No, we don't have any more um, belief in separate self, and this is this is called the non-discriminative wisdom between. Um, so, so Buddhism go further than the um, psychoanalysis of Freud, but we know that. The non-discriminative wisdom cannot be uh, cannot be there without the mud in the id. Here, the the super ego makes use of the mud to produce uh, artwork and help people to follow their aspiration to serve to serve. It's called sublimation. But in Buddhism, we go one step further to reach to a place where there is no self. That there is uh, that your suffering is my suffering, my happiness is your happiness, and and that's when there's no more war, no more uh, discrimination. And so, before we uh, chant, we ask, we read, uh, please practice as one body, uh, chant as one body. Um, please listen as one body and transcend the complexes of uh, inferiority, uh, superiority, and equality. <coughs> 